Hi guys, I am back after, um, what's it been, like three weeks? I am back and um, this is episode 11 of Beginning Again with Leanna Tankersley. I um, took a little hiatus. If you're following me on social media, you know that I moved. And so I got back from our extraordinary retreat on Orcas Island in um, middle to end of October. And then right on the heels of that, and I mean right on the heels of that, uh, we moved from our beloved loft apartment downtown to a new house in the woods. In fact, I'm sitting at my desk right now, which I've placed right in front of my window so that I can look out to the woods. And the leaves are leaving us, but um, there's a few that are still hanging on, and it's just stunning. So um, the last few weeks have been about um, just settling into a new space. And I think, um, for me anyway, this has been about more than just kind of unpacking boxes, although that's the logistics and the energy required with all that is major, as many of you know. But it's been beyond that and just uh, what this house represents and um, uh, the season that we're in. And um, I think it just all has been uh, significant. And so for me, it's just taken me some time and I needed some space and needed some rest big time. But I um, am just thrilled to be back in front of the microphone. And some of you have been asking, I'm ready for another episode. (laughs) So here we are. And thanks for your patience. Um, I, uh, I talked to someone the other day who said, um, you know, I have three, three little kids. This, this woman was talking to me and she has three little kids and she has a full-time job, but she also has a passion for writing and, and senses a calling into writing. And she said, but I just feel so behind. I just can't work at the pace. It seems that other people can work. And I just, I understood that. And I, and I, tr- and I tried to, um, kind of meet her in that and empathize and say, <laughs> Oh my gosh, limits are just, they're real and we can blow past them. And there are seasons of our lives probably for each of us where we have been able to do that. We can create enough energy and momentum to just blow right past our limits. But I was sharing with her that I'm just no longer in that stage anymore. I just, I I can't muster um, the needed energy to just like override my limits. And so, um, and it's hard. It's actually really hard. There's grief in that, that I have to like actually listen and slow down and rest. And, um, and it does feel like you get behind sometimes it feels like you're not as productive as others or as you would like to be. And, um, making peace with that. So here I am, I'm back all that to say. And, um, today I want to talk about this, um, topic that has, um, just become very important to me as we talk about the concept of beginning again. And um, it's the concept of expansion. And expansion for me is really, it goes hand in hand with the concept of surrender. And I've talked about surrender a lot on this podcast, and I talk about it a lot in my work because I have been through a season of surrender in the last two years, the surrender of my marriage and all that has come along with that. 
opening my hands to the reality of what is and surrendering to what is and um, beginning to move into acceptance and the grief of that and the reorientation and all the components that happen when we are in a season of beginning again. Well, we've talked a lot about surrender and you can obviously go back and listen to some of the things I've said about that. Um, But today I want to talk about this other part that arrives when we are willing to do the difficult and sacred work of surrender We're going to get up to a threshold and we have an opportunity to step into expansion. And so um, it's actually a really beautiful thing. And it comes not because um, of our winning personalities or our amazing strategies or how great we are and how our ability to bypass hardship. It's the opposite. Expansion comes as we lean into uh, the vulnerability that arrives in our lives. And so I want to talk more about that. Um, and But before we do, I just want to let you know a couple things. Um, again, if you follow me on social media, there's been some, some um, announcements there about our next Orcas Island retreat. Elaine Hamilton and I of the Soul Care House um, have put dates up for our next retreat. We are really excited about offering these to women and um, their uh, spiritual retreats. They're formational. They are um, therapeutic. Elaine is a marriage and family therapist. And so I come and give content that's important to me, that's meaningful to me. And then she comes in as well and we do some group processing and she brings her therapeutic background. And it is really all happening in this extraordinary space Um So I just invite you to come. We have space for 18 women. Um, The dates are in January, and you can go to my social media, to my um, Facebook page or my Instagram, and you can um, get the information on those those dates and um, how to register. It's it's, um, January 16 through 20th, and we're going to be talking about, you guessed it, beginning again. Um, So Elaine and I have both been through uh, ongoing acute seasons of loss and starting over, and so we brought bring that to this weekend. You don't have to be in that space to come, but we're talking um, to you guys and and we're sharing from that place, from that very real place of this is what this has looked like and been like for us. Um, So we just want to personally invite you to that. Um, And then also, I just put this up on my Instagram and Facebook, but my publisher, my precious tender publisher came to me and said, what if we offered your readers 40% off on the new devotional? Always We Begin Again, which came out in August. And I said, uh, duh. So um, they are offering you a code for 40% off the devotional. And the instructions are, again, on my Instagram or my Facebook page. And you can get the code. Um, The offer just started today. And it's good through December 20th. So hello, Christmas list. And there's no limit to how many copies you can get, which is amazing. So anyway, you can check that out. And if you have a growing Christmas list, like many of us do, teachers or um, people at your church or people at your office, um, family members, friends, um, especially someone who might be going through something that just needs some encouragement as they are beginning again, uh, 40% off is um, what's not to like. So check that out. And um, as always, I just always so appreciate your guys' support and um, and of my work and of my books and all of that. So thank you in advance. If you order a copy, I just want to say a personal thanks to you. Okay, let's talk about expansion. Um, 
we are going to open our hands in surrender. We are going to say, um, all of my amazing strategies for my life and for this particular circumstance I'm going through, uh, they, they will not get me down the road and, um, I cannot muscle my life into the place that I want it to be. And so here I am, here I am, and I'm having to open my hands to what is. I'm having to open my hands to um, the fact that I need help from a source that's outside myself, source capital S. And so I open my hands and surrender. We talked about the fact that surrender doesn't just mean to give up. We don't just open our hands and drop it on the ground and say, forget it. That surrender also means to give back. And so we realize that these circumstances often come into our lives because there's a benevolent love that wants to move us in the direction of wholeness and healing. And it's all rigged in our favor. And so if we will just stop fighting it, if we'll stop fighting the river and open our hands to the, to what's happening and say, okay, I get it. I get it. You've got my attention. And we open our hands and we say, okay, I don't know what to do with this, but I sense that you do. And I sense you have an invitation for me in this. So I'm going to open up. Remember, we talk about the idea that the word begin means to open or open up. And so all these places where I want to be closed and I want to be defensive and I I want to shut down and I want to cower and I want to go into my corner. I'm being invited to open up. Leanna, come back to your desk. Turn the microphone on. Open back up. It's time. Step into who you are and your own voice. It's time. We have to open back up and it's sacred work. It's sacred work, you guys. Okay. So then we're at the threshold and we've opened our hands and there's an invitation for us here. And um, it's hard to step into the next new moment. It's hard to do that. But as we do, as we open our hands and as we on that threshold, on that invitation of growth, we step into it. This is where we are stepping into expansion. Here's what expansion is not. It is not like a slick strategy. It is not uh, more followers. It is not a bigger influence. That's not what we're talking about, okay? Expansion is nothing about anything on the outside. Certainly, there are circumstances which our own personal interior expansion manifests itself externally. We have the courage to come back to the desk, sit down again at the computer, enter into the hard conversation, um, get back into the trenches with someone we love. Okay, certainly there are times where expansion has an exterior manifestation, but as Anne Lamott would say, it's an inside job. Everything we're talking about, this is not how I can manipulate the circumstances of my external world to be bigger and better and slicker and smoother. This is an inside job, okay? So as we, as we remember, as we're talking about, it's all bent in the direction of our healing and our wholeness. And so these invitations for personal expansion are invitations for us to get in touch with the truer parts of ourselves and learn what it means to shed 
the false layers. One way to talk about this would be to say, I am no longer going to live in denial in my life. And a, and a place of personal expansion would be to stop being in denial about certain things that are going on in and around me and to turn toward those with honesty. Expansion is not upward mobility or skills. I just want to be really clear about this. I want to define my terms because I think some people talk about personal expansion and it's like, this is something you're going to master or some skills you're going to get. This is exactly not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is an internal muscle that we're building that allows us to take up the space we were meant to take in this world, that allows us to fill it out in, in, from our true essential self. Okay. And it's about getting rid of, um, and burning down. I have a chapter in begin again called burn it down. Some of you've read it. Some of you have written to me about it. What do we need to burn down to allow that true part of ourselves to really expand? Cause some of it's getting suffocated, right? By falseness, denial, silencing, shame. Okay. What needs to be burned down so that we can step into it. Uh, and as we are experience, ex- experiencing expansion, it will look like this. It will look like greater courage. It will look like greater faith. It will look like a sense of our own voice that we have a little, we, we just get a little bit more settled with our own voice. And we're honest with our, we use our voice to be honest and not, oh, this is big, not participate in the toxic narratives that are going on around us. Some of us, we, we, we are either not speaking up or we're participating in toxic narratives that are going on in our families, um, in our workplaces. So we, our voice, as we personally expand, our voice becomes a voice of healing and hope and truth and grace. And we say, you know, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to co-sign on these things that when I was a more defended and smaller and shame-based version of myself, I would participate. It's a new day over here. It's a new day. I'm experiencing some expansion. Okay. That's what we're talking about. Um, another, another uh, manifestation of our own personal expansion would be that now we have a greater sense of our own intuition. We trust ourselves. Oh, it's interesting. Um, yeah, there's a there's a really deep part of me that has some kind of knowing, and that comes from experience. It comes from loss. It comes from maturity. It comes from listening to the source that is uh, on the outside of us. It is not always us, right? Listening to that wise source and realizing, okay, God may have some things to tell me, and I sit down at the table. We've talked about this, and I listen. I listen and I gain wisdom through that. And I begin to realize that, oh, there's a dial, there's a deep waters dialogue happening between me and God. And there's some really important intuition that arises in me that, oh man, there are some things I know. I, I do have some desires. I do have, there is that voice down there, that soul voice that has some things to say that I could actually trust. That 80-year-old version of myself. Fascinating. This is fascinating. Okay. Um, so our intuition. And then another thing um, that our personal expansion can look like is that we have a sense that we just have a little bit more resilience, that things that that um, we were terrified of going through, things that we, we could not imagine facing, conversations we could not imagine having, we can do it. It's not easy. We're afraid. But we can do it. We can show up in the hard places and we can do it. 
We can do it afraid, right? Oh, okay. And we realize it didn't kill me. It was hard. It hurt. It was difficult to talk about my own pain. It was difficult to face conflict, but it didn't kill me. And I can, I can show back up again when it's time to have those kinds of hard conversations, or I have to go back to therapy or I have to, um, whatever it is, I can do it. And it's not going to be the end of me. It's not going to consume me, right? That's resilience. And then another way that this personal expansion, a form it might take is that we are now able to reach out for the right kind of support. We used to be very inside ourselves. We used to be very afraid of being honest with others about what we were going through. But now we sort of feel like, you know what? It wouldn't be the end of the world for me to go talk with a counselor. It wouldn't be the end of the world for me to tell a trusted friend what's actually going on in my marriage. Oh, I could actually do that. I could trust someone again. Okay, these are all um, kind of fruits of our own expansion. This part of ourselves inside that is growing and we're feeding this true part of ourselves, this open part of ourselves, instead of feeding the closed, uh, defended part of ourselves, false part of ourselves. So expansion is about about nurturing those parts of ourselves that are most true. It's about um, realizing that we're not going to live in denial anymore. We're going to be honest. And it's also about honoring um, these important parts of ourselves and our stories um, and nourishing all that. Okay, something I want to be very clear about is that we typically experience personal expansion um, through difficulty, through vulnerability, through our woundedness, um, through grief. This is terrible news, horrible news. We all want to go to conferences and have someone stand up and tell us how we can take the easy road to uh, a, a richer inner life. And... Um, there's just, this is, that, that, that's the great lie, right? That we could experience a depth and maturity and richness. We could experience ourselves and each other and God in a more significant way by never having to go through anything. This is the great lie. And so I'm learning in my own life and it's hard, this is a hard one lesson. I'm learning in my own life. I look at a set of circumstances and I think, all that is, is reduction, reductive loss, is actually the the seed for expansion, the seed for growth, the seed for transformation. And we have this narrative straight in front of us in scripture that there is a narrative of death, burial, and resurrection and that resurrection is preceded by death and burial. That's not a coincidence, okay? That's a map. (laughs) And it sucks. It sucks. But this is how resurrection happens because death has occurred, burial, a a moment of um, quiet, a pause, And then resurrection comes from that. New Barbara Brown Taylor, you've heard me say it a thousand times, new life starts in the dark. Whether it's a seed in the ground, a baby in the womb, or Jesus in the tomb, new life starts in the dark. And that's true in our lives as well. We think that it's the end. We think it's the end. (laughs) And in some ways it is. It's the end of what was. It's the end of what was. 
But what that becomes, it's the seeds of a new beginning. And often that new beginning is truer, it's more expansive, and it is what will take us into the next season of our lives. Um, And so many of us fear the darkness. Many of us fear the wilderness. Many of us fear the reductive experience. Of course, we don't want to be in pain. We don't want to go through the hard thing. Um, We fear the desert. You know, all of these metaphors for things that involve wandering, wondering, doubt, loss, pain, but they are an every epic narrative that you can read on the planet These are the instrumental components to the hero's journey. This death, burial, and resurrection, this desert, this wilderness, it's part of the narrative. So I I want us to, um, and I'm trying to do this in my own life, and I'm asking God for the grace and the space to do this, to receive my circumstances that when I look at them, it's just Reductive. It's just loss. And to realize that um, there is some kind of resurrection associated with this if I will open my hands, if I will surrender to what is, and I will, I will wait for the invitation. And when the invitation comes, I will step into new life. This isn't something I can create on my own. This is the work of God in my life. This is the work of the Spirit in my life. Um, but it's alchemy, right? It's, it's taking these components that seem to have no point and significance. They seem senseless to us. And somehow they're spun into some kind of strange gold. And we couldn't do it ourselves. We couldn't gain the strategies necessary to create that. It's something mysterious. It's something sacred. Um, I, I want to... Uh, share with you something that I I saw recently and it was, it has just stayed with me and I find it to be very significant. Uh, The poet David White, um, his last name is spelled W-H-Y-T-E. He's an English poet. And um, I recently, I've listened to him on and off um, whenever he's been interviewed, like um, he's on the On Being podcast or whenever he's interviewed on a podcast, I always try to listen to it and I read his work a lot and I share his work and I think he is really uh, profound and probably one of my favorite contemporary poets. And um, anyway, he had a TED Talk. and I didn't know he had a TED Talk, and I, I stumbled across it recently, and I, and I watched it. And um, in that TED Talk, <laughs> and you know, this is, this is just like poets. They just know. They just, they have a way of, um, because they're watching and they're paying attention and they have a way of saying things that just, I don't know, it just blows me away. But In this TED Talk, he says that um, there are three illusions that we all um, have bought into, basically, and that our culture around us sort of has bought into and and helps us maintain this illusion. So basically, there are three illusions or three um, falsehoods that we have bought into that we believe we can create in our lives, and they are these. Number one. I can construct a life in which I am not vulnerable. And he unpacks this and talks about the fact that we all believe on some level that if we can uh, just 
protect ourselves enough and have enough control that we will never have to be vulnerable in this world. And of course, vulnerability would be the worst possible thing, right? Um, and I understand that because it's no fun. It's no fun to be vulnerable. The, the root of the word vulnerable, from the, and he talks about this from the Latin vulneras, it means wound. And so when we are um, experiencing vulnerability, we are hitting up against that part in ourselves that is our greatest wound. I, um, I love this part in the, the New Testament scripture where Jesus, after his resurrection, whew, this is so beautiful. He appears in the upper room to his followers. And they are, of course, uh, devastated and they don't know how they're going to go forward. And they've forgotten. They've forgotten that he reminded them that he would be back, that it wasn't over, that uh, what they saw as an ending was going to be a really exceptional beginning and a new day. They forgot all that, which we all do, right? That's humanity. We forget. And he comes to them. And Thomas, who is called the doubter, says, I don't know if it's really you. How do we know it's really you? Because this is nuts, right? What's happening? It's nuts. Um, And he says, um, he says, touch my hands, Thomas. And he says, touch my side. Touch the places where I am wounded. I was wounded. And that's how you will know it is me. We authenticate ourselves to this world by saying, look, look at my hands, look at my side. We think the illusion is that if I can be slick and smooth and small and skinny and strategic, that that's how people will trust me. That's how I will authenticate myself. That's how they will believe me. It's an illusion. The reality is we authenticate ourselves when we open our hands and show the wounding. This is me. This is what I have been through. Now you can trust me. And so the illusion is that vulnerability is bad. And if I can protect myself from it and no one ever has to see me vulnerable, that I will be okay in the world. And he said, it's a great illusion because vulnerability, our woundedness is actually how we connect with each other. Okay. Number two, I can create a life in which I will not have to have my heart broken. Ooh. We can do every quote-unquote good thing. We can follow all the rules. We can order our lives in such a way that um, we are just in lockstep with the guidelines as they have been presented to us, and we will still get our heart broken. I remember reading Parker Palmer, wonderful author that everyone needs to be reading. One of his... um, seminal books is Let Your Life Speak. And he was trying to make sense of the um, terrorist attacks to the U.S. on September 11th. And I've written about this. Some of you have probably read my writing on this, but he, um, he said, I'm trying to make sense of this. Why? What would motivate a person to do something that is just 
seems to us to be and was a, a um, exceptional atrocity. And um, he said, the thing that I could come up with is that is this: we are all heartbroken. We are all heartbroken. I am. You are. The terrorists that that flew planes into buildings. We're all heartbroken, and it's a human condition. And there is nothing we can do to order our lives or control our lives or our circumstances enough to um, be immune from it. I don't know why, totally. I don't know why um, we walk through heartbreak, except for to go back to the first point that it is our heartbrokenness that allows us to share in the suffering of each other. We enter into the fellowship of suffering. And so when someone that we love goes through something horrible, we understand in our own way. We know that trying to fix it will not do anything. Giving unsolicited advice will not help. We know what it feels like to suffer and what a person needs when they're suffering and heartbroken. And we enter into the fellowship of that. And we know what it's like to sit with someone and to be able to stand it and to be in the room. I can tell you about remarkable people I know, remarkable people I know who are going through unthinkable things. And they didn't bring it on themselves and they didn't do something wrong and they didn't lose their faith. It's just part of the human experience. It's part of being on this planet. And so... When we try to control our lives and our circumstances so that we will never have to experience heartbreak, we're missing it. We're missing something significant. The third illusion that that David White talks about is, I could create a life that would allow me to plan every step from where I'm standing now until the end, that I could come up with a strategy that was foolproof, and I I could see the whole plan from here to there. And he goes on to say, which I love, the only place in which that would be possible is a desert that is completely devoid of all other life, where you could see the horizon from where you're standing. And he said, even, but even then, the curvature of the earth would not allow you to see fully to the horizon. It's not possible. And I would just caution us all to not buy into the voices that are telling us that if we could just sit down and read enough books and go to enough conferences and get enough winning strategies that we could plan it all out. I am not against, obviously, like being smart and being strategic and reading books about like how to make your life more efficient and get a good plan and set goals. I'm not talking about that. But I think we take that culture to an extreme and what that's actually about is control that um, I need to be in control of all of this. And he says there are times in which you may not know what to do next. And that puts you in a right relationship with those around you because you need them. You need other people. You need input. And also, it puts us in the right, I would add, it puts us in the right relationship with mystery. That there are things that are going to happen in our lives that we could have never predicted, we could have never made happen, even on our best day, And there is something, there's mystery, there's gifts in the universe for us, right? And if we are thinking, I'm going to, I'm going to plan this out, we're not leaving room for something to come in the side door. Some of the most significant opportunities in my own life, 
professionally have come in through the side door. I was, I was moving forward on a path and I was moving and I was showing up, but they came in through the side door. It was not part of what I could have planned. And maybe some of you have had that experience too. So in this TED talk and in these three points of, of these illusions that we have bought into, his caution is that we think if we could just have enough control um, and have uh, enough of a plan that we could bypass vulnerability, heartbreak, mystery. And what he is arguing and what I'm arguing as well is that these are some of life's greatest gifts. These are some of the universe's greatest gifts to us. And they don't come wrapped in beautiful packages most often. They come wrapped in loss. And I just want to go back to that idea that, but what sometimes we perceive as purely reductive isn't always. And there are parts of these reductive experiences that are greatly expanding if we will step across the threshold with our hands open and we will realize that actually our wounds, our heartbreak, our vulnerability are some of the greatest, if not the greatest gifts we have to offer the planet. So I just want to conclude with one image, uh, one final image, and and this is um, an image that I look at most weeks when I'm at church. I still love going to church. I know a lot of people don't love going to church anymore, but I I do. <laughs> I still love going to church, and I um, at my church there is um, a stained glass at the front, and it's this beautiful piece of art and. Um, Maybe I've shared this in the podcast previous, but I'm going to take the risk and share it again. Uh, there's a woman on, on the um, stained glass. I think she's a woman. I'm going to say she is. And she's looking out over the um, kind of a valley. She's up on a precipice, like up on a big rock. And there's a, an expansive valley in front of her. And she's looking out and she's got her hands over her eyes like you do when you're shading your eyes from the sun. You're, try- you're looking, you're peering out, trying to see, trying to see something way off in the distance. The first Sunday that um, I went to that church, we had just newly moved here and um, I was heartbroken. I was just heartbroken. And I looked up above the, um, the stage and the pulpit, or not even, it's not really a pulpit, it's a music stand. And I looked up and um, there was this woman who was looking out across a valley and had her hand up over her eyes. And what is the next step? Where is the path? Hello? Could someone please tell me what the next step is? Can someone please show me the path? Because it has up and disappeared. And the beautiful thing in that piece of art is that she is not alone. Next to her on that rock is a gorgeous angel, or what I, th- I think looks like an angel, this, this being that has these huge wings that are all around her. And the being is holding her, holding her up. As she peers out across this landscape, this this mystery, this no path place that she is in her life, and this angel is holding her, and um, I want to remind us, myself included, that we are not walking these roads alone. We are not forgotten. We are not forgotten. In fact. 
we are held. The story is held. The vulnerability is held. The heartbrokenness is held. The mystery is held. From the end to the beginning, it is all held. So if you are in this place that I'm talking about and and you don't want to walk through it, you don't want to take the next step, you don't want to cross the threshold, I just want to remind you you're not alone. You're not alone, okay? And you're not forgotten. And someone that is bigger and more powerful and more loving than you can ever imagine is holding you, okay? And it's holding your story. So as we open our hands and surrender, we will come to places in our stories where we're invited to cross a threshold into expansion. And often that threshold will involve loss of something, something we have to leave behind. And I just want you to know it's okay. It's okay to do it. And um, this is how uh, we move into who we were meant to be, who we already are. Okay. I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And remember there is um, always a hand reaching towards you, inviting you to that threshold. Always. There's always a hand reaching towards you. There is always grace available. If you cannot step across now, it's okay. It will come again. The invitation will come again. Because remember, it's all bent in your favor. It's all bent toward your healing and wholeness, toward your own personal resurrection. There's always a hand reaching towards you. There's always grace available. And there's always a chance to begin again.